big thank you to those that stepped in. We had some others that were lined up to do some readings, but thanks very much, girls. I'm going to hand over to Dave now, and he's got some a lovely couple that he's going to work out a bit more for us that we can learn to love them a bit more too. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, this morning we continue our, um, our series in getting to know people in the church. Uh, so far we've, we've heard uh, from a couple of families and this morning we have the pleasure of getting to know Graham and Barbara a little better. Uh, they had a bit of a scare this week, just like Pastor Tony came across that horrible Wuhan flu. So um, I'm just going to sit over here somewhere. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but, uh, we did test You did test negative this morning, but thank you for wearing your masks. That's very thoughtful. So getting to know you guys, and I'll ask Barbara this one first, because Graham probably won't know. You've <laughs> forgotten. It's that long. So how did you guys meet? We met... Um, sorry, yeah. I'm not used to a microphone. No, they're, they're hard. <laughs> Close. We were young, very young. Yep. Um, our parents belonged to the same Rotary Club. Okay, Rotary, yeah. And so they used to have, um, what? Rotators. Yeah. Oh, uh, and they right. used to have um, barbecues and all sorts of things. And so, but um, the very first memory I have of Graham is um, back then they used to have theatre parties. <clears throat> and in Sydney, there's a beautiful little theatre called The Ensemble. Theatre in the Round. Yeah. And Graham was there with his parents, and I was there with mine. And it was across a crowded room. <laughs> I noticed this handsome young guy, and I think that might have been the spark for me. Wonderful. Do you want to add to that? We kept staring at each other, you know, it was really weird. <laughs> and then we had various other rotary functions and things that we went to that we'd just bump into, you know, that sort of stuff. A bit of scheming, a bit of, bit of this, a bit of that. So you can't see God's plan in any of that, can you? <laughs> <laughs> so We're too young. Oh. Way too young. So, Graham, this one's for you, mate. Do you remember your first date? Goodness. Why did you give me this question? Yeah, because ah, this is good. I couldn't answer it. Um, this is good. <laughs> I'm, I'm a keen. I'm a keen, I was a keen sailor, and um, I, I, I even sailed when I was very young. And um, but in my adult years, I was constantly sailing on a Saturday. And of course, we lined up this lovely, fancy restaurant, and we were going to go and see Tom Jones. I think it was, wasn't it? Tom <laughs> Jones in, in the city. <laughs> and um, lo and behold, the wind didn't blow very hard, and we got becalmed. And um, <laughs> I think I was at least an hour behind where I should have been. And <laughs> there's no mobile phones. And, <laughs> and uh, I think I tried to ring Barbara from somewhere, from the club or something. I can't remember now. But anyway, so <clears throat> we managed to get in the city, uh, but we had to give the restaurant a miss. And, uh, and I took her to a lovely little <laughs> cafe. 
for toasted sandwiches. Perfect. And, and as we walked towards the cinema, he said, oh, I'll shout you a drink. I looked around, there was a bubbler. <laughs> Come on over and have, have a drink. <laughs> Does anybody know what a bubbler is? <laughs> <laughs> that was our first... It so should how? have turned me right off. No. <laughs> Has he changed? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so how long have you been married then? 54 years. 54 years. Isn't that wonderful? 54 years. Love it. Um, so when you're, when you're young, you're saying things like bubbler is a bit different. Yes. This fella called Tom Jones. Um, sounds like a long time ago. It was. <laughs> what was it like for you both growing up? Excuse me. Growing up. Growing up. I grew up in a family that was very... Um, uh, what's the word? It was very comfortable. Yeah. Um, although hard working. My father was Irish and he'd come out as a young man um, and worked really hard with his uncle who owned a business in Sydney. Um, they, my mum worked hard as a housewife and mother. I had two siblings that I knew of, I've since discovered a half-brother, but that's another story. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> my brother is eight years younger. My dear sister, two years younger, passed away um, four years ago. So that's left a big gaping hole in our family. But um, we had fun growing up um, because my dad worked, my both parents worked so hard. We were not deprived at all, even though they started from nothing, which a lot of families did post-war. So life was simple but yep. fun. Mm. It was in a suburb, Sydney? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Burwood. Burwood. I lived in a flat first with my parents, then, um, what's it called? A grant? Um, post-war. What was it called? Well, War Water service line. Ah, oh, yes. And yeah. I got a dad to get a, yeah. a house yeah. in Strathfield. And um, that's where we, And that little house is still standing. It's oh, amazing. Because Strathfield has changed. Well, it was still standing last time yeah. we drove past. Yeah, it has. But, um, yeah, so yeah. Graham grew up in Homebush, yeah. not far away. Yes, yeah, so I had a, a very comfortable upbringing. Um, I have two older sisters, they're still with us. Um, I grew up in the inner west of Sydney. Uh, my father was in the meat business, so the abattoir was only five minutes away. Um, so that was good. Um, it was a very loving, caring family. We didn't want for anything. I went to an all-boys all school, um, sport <coughs> and education. Education was very much encouraged because my father didn't have that opportunity to educate himself, but he did in later life. Um, it was pretty happy. It, it, those days, it was, I, it's interesting when you reflect back, I, I see our family as quite emotionally dry. Um, I, that's not a criticism, but I think that's the way it was in those days. You didn't, you didn't get much arms wrapped around you, or some families did. I, I gravitated towards families where boys 
mums and dads would cuddle them and things like that. So that was that was an interesting experience. So, but I, I'm not. I don't feel like I've been warped or bent by it. But um, yeah, it's just one of those dif differences of things. And just in our family. Yes, very much so. And um, I. So sport was encouraged and all that sort of stuff, but, but also I did a fair bit of sailing, uh, even in my younger years, because uh, my parents had a house, another house down on a northern part of the city, and where sailing was on every Sunday morning, which was not a good idea for, as far as Sunday schools were concerned, because before we did all that, my, my parents made me and my two sisters go to Sunday school, but not themselves. But that's another story. Okay. Do you still sail? Um, not regularly. Yeah. Um, so I might have a go at these radio control boats because <laughs> you don't need to bend your knees so much. And uh, I do have a, I have a voucher to go sailing out of Malula Bay, and I'd like to take that up and do that. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Can I ask what what school did you go to? I went to Trinity Grammar School in oh, the. Oh, forgive you then. I'm a King's boy. All uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Okay. I thought you were different. <laughs> So can you remember when you first came in contact with the gospel? Were your family's church, Graham, you said your church, your, you went to Sunday school, but yes, did well, your parents did? Yes, we, my parents were of an Anglican origin, but, and they sent us to an Anglican Sunday school. So we used, the three of us, sisters and I, used to walk off to Sunday school and walk back. Those days it was quite easy to do, um, but they would never go. They might go on a Christmas, certainly went to funerals, and, uh, and baptisms and all that family stuff, but not regular, they were not, no, they were not regular or believers. I don't believe they were believers. Um, I went to, well, Trinity's a church school. Um, in those days, back in the 50s and 60s, church schools were, they did open the Bible and actually read the Bible every day at school and uh, at chapel. Um, I enjoyed the divinity classes, which is like, I think they call it scripture, scripture and instruction or whatever it is to religious education today um, but I didn't I was aware of matters the gospel I think it was all up here um, we went on school camps and I made my commitment at a camp school camp came home with the new King James version and the daily bread with all the thous and the shoulds and the nots and all that sort of stuff and I found that heavy going no encouragement from my family but it was really just my head. It wasn't until I was older that I understood that the heart needed changing as well. And how about you, Clark? My parents were church going. Um, a bit like Graham, I think not particularly convicted, but certainly supportive. Um, we went to a little uniting, oh, sorry, back then, Methodist church. Uh, which did preach the gospel back then. <laughs> um, and so I heard the true story of Jesus from a very young age, Sunday school, then taught Sunday school. I went to a state school, so... Yes, so there was no scriptural instruction there. But our church was a great little... Um, church and there was a guest speaker one morning who presented the gospel differently 
perhaps more powerfully. And I can remember that morning saying to Jesus, I'm yours, I'm yours, Lord. I told my boyfriend at the time there was nothing in it. <laughs> and he was totally dismissive and disinterested. And so I think that put the lid on that friendship. Um, <clears throat> and in high school, I made a beautiful friend who invited me to a Christian Endeavour camp. And a man by the name of Danny Armstrong, who I believe is still alive in Canberra, apparently. But anyway, off at this um, Christian Endeavour camp, he was the speaker who presented a very powerful testimony and gospel talk. And I said to my friend, Wendy, um, I've just become a Christian. And she said, she was so delighted. She's still a friend and just lives up here at Noosa. Near Noosa. So, yeah, so very grateful. That was God's doing, for sure. Mm. And when did you guys uh, head north? Are you Mexicans like Liz and I uh, <laughs> heading up this way? When did you come to Queensland, settle up here? Um, it's more of a health thing. Barb's got some lung issues and uh, we'd been chasing the northern weather for quite some time. We liked Port Macquarie, we liked Kingscliff, Ballina, all up far northern New South Wales. And we were looking up in those areas. Not, it still gets cold in the winter, but anyway. And of course the borders were closed and we were looking across into Queensland and Anastasia said, Queensland hospitals are for Queensland people only. And, so we thought, well, we don't want to go over there when our, two of our children were still in, in New South Wales. That all changed a couple of years ago and uh, one of our family members came up here for work, encouraged us to come and be near them. Now that's a bit unusual. We've never really chased our children and they've never really chased us where we live. But, and so in Sydney for about the last 10 years, we've never had our children around us. So uh, that was a bit of a cha cha change and a blessing to us that our middle daughter wanted to have us around them, not in their pockets, but around them nearby. And we've taken up that opportunity and here we are. You mentioned middle daughter. How many children do you we have? We have three, three daughters. One in Western Australia um, with a hus beautiful husband and two children. Kate, who was the one who invited us to move up with them in 2021, 20, did they come? And we came in 2022. Kate and Luke have three children. And Emma, our youngest, is divorced. She has two children, adult, well, teenagers. Mm. So, so made from an all boys school to an all girls household. That's yes. quite a change. But we had a male cat. Ah, okay. <laughs> but it, did, it had its apparatus removed, so I don't know where you put that. Ah. <laughs> um, yeah, I see what you're getting at. Yes, I used to know when the cross was on the calendar. No. <laughs> when you guys sort of connect with God, is, is there any particular way that appeals to you? Is there, is, is it through prayer? Is it through worship? Is it through serving? What, what's, 
What has God, how has God made you tick? And what appeals to you in your relationship with, with Jesus? Um, I think definitely prayer. We pray together and individually. Throughout the day, I lived... In fact, Tony has helped... Sorry. Tony has helped me, to, I think, to look upwards more. We have a house that looks at the sky a lot. We're at the back. And it's just beautiful. In the afternoons, we, or dusk, we walk out and thank you, Lord. Beautiful sunsets. Um, prayer, Bible reading. We do a devotional together each morning. Um, we read Christian books. There's a great little book I've just been reading, Jerry Bridges' book called Trusting God, how he is very um, instructive, is that the word? He's, he's a beautiful writer, but he talks, he's been really helpful. We've gone through a pretty rocky time with one of our grandkids, and um, that continues. And this is, um, this book talks about how God has his hand on every single situation, which we know he does, but of course, you know, how long, oh Lord, how long is the prayer? Um, he also, just a little piece I read this morning, the international scene. Now, this book was written quite a while ago, but Jerry talks about how, you know, the turmoil in the world is so um, evident and we lose sight that God really is still in control. But do we pray enough? I don't think no. I do. For, um, for peace, for um, wise leadership. I, we can't see any wise leadership in this world at the moment. It's horrendous. I feel like we're rubbish because we've kicked God in the teeth, really. So, in our lifetime, Christianity has really um, been dismissed. Yeah. So, that's what, for me, I see it's uh, um, on, on the list of Christians, the last one. I think to be a light, to reach out to those who don't know him. And, of course, there are people all around us at Halcyon, um, everywhere where we can speak God's truth in love. It's a challenge. Um, Graham's got a little story about a neighbour, haven't you? Who you've... Well, it, I think it's, sorry, Graham, it's so important to have our, our prayer warriors uh, and it's wonderful that, that God has given you that gift. Um, and and uh, I love to hear the prayer warriors out there um, and rely that you know, we we all could sort of work towards becoming better at prayer and having that constant conversation with God throughout the day. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Sorry, you're yes. going to tell us a story, mate. Yeah. Well, I'm, you, you're, the question was about what, what makes us tick, and I think it's... I mean, you've got to start with the grace and the, and the love that he has for us to, to, before we even get anywhere. And... Uh, 
And in that context, I think the overarching thing is a heart full of gra a gratitude, um, a grateful heart comes from understanding who God really is by reading, his, reading the Bible, even praying and seeing not necessarily straight away or not in the way you would think he responds. And you, you look back some of some of our old journals, you think, my goodness, he, he's right in there with us. He's got his arms right around us. He's got us by the grip. He's not letting us go at all. And uh, so I think, yeah, it's, it's a myriad of things, but I think with a great, grateful heart, you start, it starts to open up to just say how big and how great God is. And yes, there's lots, lots of potholes and bumps in the road, but there's a lot of beauty and greatness as well. And uh, yeah, I'm truly, yeah, I'm truly grateful that we can sit out the back and see this tapestry every afternoon and things like that. But I have an interesting story. Um, We've gravitated a lot around Christian friends and things. We haven't, I, I, I retired back in 2001, so I lost the opportunity at work. I used to have some great conversations with some of my staff. Um, just a simple thing like our factory had a door that opened with the sunrise every morning. And I often would say to the, to the group that were just at the front of the factory, I'd say, look at what the great God, our great God has done. Look at this beauty. Oh, yeah, they'd have a look around. One fellow was a Catholic fellow, he loved that that we spoke about that. Other people would say, oh, that, but you've got that faith. Oh, well, I haven't got that faith. And all the, you know, just the whole myriad of, re of reactions. But just recently in our neighbourhood, I've made contact with a neighbour who just asked me a very simple question. He, in the conversation at Christmas time at the, at the party, he, he, we were talking about all sorts of things. And he happened to say, are you religious? And I said to him, what do you mean by being religious? And he looked at me and said, I've never been asked that question before. So that really led into a great conversation of where his faith lies. Very interesting, and I believe it's quite common, his response was, oh, I trust myself, nobody else. And I thought, oh my goodness, what an interesting answer. I've never thought myself good enough to do that. So, uh, so I've given him a book. Uh, and he's still wanting to have a conversation because we had a farewell party to a neighbour the other day and he still wants to keep chatting with me. So please pray, please pray for this guy. His name is John. He's a neighbour of ours. And the book I gave him was A Sneaking Suspicion by John Dixon. Don't know whether you've heard, anybody's heard of him. He's a great commentator, writer, former singer in a band. And uh, yeah. So. He's just written a new updated version. Wonderful. Yes. Good singer. And I understand you have someone you have uh, conversations with at the moment. The podiatrist. Oh, the podiatrist. Did I? Who's told you that? Tony. Oh, Tony told <laughs> Yes. So, yes. I'm looking forward to my next appointment. I've given him a book to treat. Wonderful. He's open to asking questions and reading. So, could I just say, guys, I mean, we hear Tony and we hear people say, can I pray for you? But, you know, it just, it's interesting, the entry points that are around in our lives, we just need to be, have our eyes open and let, let it happen, let God lead us. We have a heart for the persecuted church, actually, and um, I think there are so many, you know, organisations that we all know of. Open Doors is just one of many. Um, but Graham has become quite involved with an organisation called Megavoice, 
which sends little audio Bibles to especially the persecuted church into Ukraine, um, African countries. You can tell me story better. Well, they're just little audio devices that are able to, in their people's own heart language, hear the gospel, often for the very first time. And it's amazing what, what stories we're getting out of, particularly Northern Africa, where there's a lot of flux going on between Muslims and non-Muslims, and tribalism, where, you know, dog eat dog, eye for an eye, all that sort of stuff. There's been one comment come back from a, a, a group, a village that's saying the men have stopped fighting. They're starting to talk. They're actually spending time with their families. That's really... And these are people hearing the gospel in their own language, in their heart language. Oh, that's, that's just wonderful, that outreach. I, I thought it was interesting that... Uh, you, when you said, uh, you know, well, what's, what, what does the gospel mean to you? And you mentioned grace because um, when I was preparing the songs for this morning, um, I usually pray and then, and then look at the list and try and pick something that comes to mind. But grace was really um, standing in my mind. And uh, that's part of the song we just sang and, and it'll be our, our final song. We'll, we'll follow on that. Um, on that theme. Well, thank you so much for standing you, up. It's, it's scary as anything, but... Um, Not with you around. No, oh, thank you. No. Um, but uh, it, it's really good to get to know, and a couple of people have said that. So we, we tend to do this at, uh, at the beginning of the year, just to get to know one another a little better, um, start up that conversation as, as we do life together. But, um, next week, um, we'll be hearing from Emily, and uh, she, she, she's the spotlight's on her. And I really hope Tony's back to, uh, to, to not that I don't like talking to you, <laughs> that, uh, I don't like doing this. Um, so why don't we just uh, finish our time together? Well, let's pray for these guys, and uh, we'll finish our service together. Father, I just come before you and I give you thanks for Graham and Barb and the amazing testimony they are to, to your word and to what you call us to be. I ask that um, their, their interest in, in world politics and getting your, your word out in troubled places, may be blessed. May your word that is so, so important go out into the minds and hearts of those in the, the troubled areas um, of this world. Father, what an amazing couple. That, uh, we can see the love they have for each other and, uh, and the blessing that you have been throughout their lives. And we thank you for that. We thank you for them. Just may you uphold them and bless them as they head off into to this year. Um, may they, their path be obvious and may you walk beside them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks once again, guys.